Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Gus Inglehorn over Zoom video. Gus was born and raised in Alaska and talked about how he got to music. He actually spent time between Alaska and Hawaii, like the two U.S. states that are not uh, connected. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Obviously, it gets really, really cold in Alaska during the winter. So his family would take trips to Hawaii during the winter and then come back to Alaska during the summer. But around eight years old, Gus started snowboarding. And he did that religiously for a long time, actually became a professional snowboarder, would travel all around the world, different places to snowboard, shoot, you know, video snowboarding. We talked about how those kind of go hand in hand with music in the sense that you get to kind of choose what song you're going to put as your part in the video. And he talked about picking up guitar. About five, six years ago is when he decided to put down the snowboard and really start to pursue a career as a musician. He talked about putting out the first record, moving to Canada, actually put that first record out January 2020, and then the pandemic hits, so they only had a little bit of time to get some shows and some promotion done for that record. They ended up signing a record deal over quarantine, and they're getting ready to release the new record called Dungeon Master, and Gus tells us all about the new song, Tarantula. You can watch our interview with Gus on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this or whatever podcast platform, we'd love it if you follow us there as well. And hook us up with a five-star review. It'd mean so much to us. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Gus Inglehorn. Of course. Uh, I'm Adam, by the way, and this is about you and your journey in music. And we'll talk about the new record. Okay, great. Nice to meet you, Adam. Nice to meet you as well. Um, awesome. I did read, are you originally from, you're from where, Alaska? Yep. Yep, I'm from Alaska, originally Alaska and Hawaii a little bit. Like I was going back and forth between Alaska and Hawaii when I was growing up. Really? The two like U.S. cities that are, are U.S. states that aren't connected, huh? Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know why we were, I guess it's just like, I guess there's kind of a lot of Alaskans in Hawaii just because the winters are so like Br brutal. brutal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're kind of beautiful at the same time, but definitely like come January, February, like. Alaska or Hawaii looks pretty appealing, you know? Sure. Wow. Okay. So you're born in Alaska. What, when is it like, cause I know it's dark, like for a 24 hour periods at some points and then light, right? When, how, when does that happen? I guess I'm just not good with that. No, that's fine. Um, yeah. Like, well, so I'm from like kind of the South of Alaska. So it doesn't get, well, it doesn't get all the way dark, like in the North, the sun goes down and doesn't come back up for like, I think like two or three months or something like that. And That's then in the, summer, the sun just does like circles in the sky, just like, <laughs> which is so crazy. But, but where yeah. I'm from, it does kind of do that. Like it gets during the, like during the winter, it's really, really dark. Like maybe the sun comes up around like maybe around noon and then goes down. Man, I, I don't know. Maybe around like, two o'clock or something oh really like, so it's like only light for a couple hours yeah and then it, it never really gets light light it just almost just gets like dusk and then 
not dust. Wow. Yeah, back to night. Yeah. And then is it light all the time in the summertime? Yeah. Summer does the same. Like it's always light. And then, and then like it will get like sunsetty, and then the sun will just come right back. <laughs> wow. That, I mean, <laughs> That's so wild. How do you like adapt to that? I mean, I guess if it's all you know, then you just deal. Yeah, because yeah, you just deal with it. It's weird. Definitely weird. Like, um, like you definitely deal with like light deprivation and like stuff in the winter. And then in the summer, you just have like crazy energy. Like summer, you live like, like I don't know, like you really like just you like hibernate essentially yeah pretty much i mean i was a snowboard like i grew up snowboarding so i i pretty much like the winter better but like uh but a lot of people hibernate a lot of people like are like not into it at all yeah i read it you you're a pro snowboarder yeah but i used to be a pro snowboarder for a while okay when did you start snowboarding when I was eight years old, like when I, I, so I would always spend the winters in Hawaii up until I was like nine, I think. And then, and then as soon as I started spending winters there, I just started snowboarding when, yeah. Okay. Eventually. Did you have, you have family in Hawaii? Like how did you get back? Like how, why would you guys travel that way? Man, I don't know. I don't know why my parents would do that. We didn't have family or anything. I think uh, it was they just strictly, were sick of the cold. Yeah, I think so. I think that was it. That was the only reason. Okay. Well, what like the winter there to be eight and snowboarding in the winter? What's the winter temperature there? It's got to be freezing cold. It gets cold for sure. It definitely gets cold. But you know, it's actually like it's like more clement than you'd imagine. Sometimes, I mean, definitely sometimes it's freezing. But like living, we live in Montreal now, and like Montreal is like way worse somehow. <laughs> I don't really? know. Yeah, I know. Like it gets like negative, like a million there. <laughs> it doesn't. It's terrible, and it's like. Yeah, up there it gets really freaking cold. Like up in the north, it's like the moon or something. It's like minus 110, you know, or something. But like down oh in the my south, God. it's not. Because I guess we're, it's like right on the, like Anchorage is right on the, uh, well, I'm originally from like this little fishing village called the Nilchik, but they're okay. it's right on the water. So like the water regulates the temperature a little bit better than, I guess, than when you're not on the water. Okay. So <laughs> and, are you on like the ocean? Or are yeah, you on, you're right on the oh. ocean. Wow. What's the, what's the ocean like up there? Is it, is there waves or is it freezing like in the water? Crabs, like king crabs. And is it really? <laughs> icebergs. <laughs> and uh, it's beautiful though. It's like, it's. That's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's really like, uh, there's like the second biggest tides in the world right outside of Anchorage in this place called the Cook Inlet where James Cook like came and, and like sunk in the mud and. <laughs> and Whoa. Yeah. So, so yeah. when you started snowboarding at eight and uh, like, obviously you get very good and you get pro and was that a big part that must have been a big part of your life for a while oh yeah definitely like pretty much my entire life from like when I started snowboarding to like maybe like five years ago I was like and it's still a huge part of my identity but that was really like my main focus like I got really obsessed with it like right away and just wanted to be like a professional snowboarder and just I would go every day of the winter and stuff and mm-hmm and how did you like, were you like, was that something like when you say you're pro, did you get like sponsored and then like you were getting like paid to do it and you were like, what, uh, doing contests and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, some contests, but mostly just sponsors and like, and travel around and like, you know, um, photo shoots. And That's cool. Filming for, mostly filming for videos. That's like the main thing that like I, I did, I guess. 
Yeah. I I grew up in San Diego and skateboarding was huge. And I knew a lot of people that were pro and sponsored for skateboarding. So I, I would thinking it had to be similar to that, right? Totally. Yeah. Same, same deal pretty much. Wow. That's so cool though. You say so you'd shoot like what you were in like the videos and stuff for whatever company you're sponsored for by at the time. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's weird in snowboarding. It was like more like individual production companies. Like my, like I, I started out because my friend from Seattle, he had like a fairly like well-known production or like a snowboard video production company and like I so I filmed for his video and then I filmed for this other one called video grass and but yeah it was just mostly in skateboarding it's always companies and like team videos right and it's different. more like that now but in what fact that it was more like just production companies but is it because nobody could like film like I mean I would like cause skateboarding you can just have your your friend kind of follow you with a fisheye and push <laughs> you know push the skateboard behind you and when it comes to snowboarding, you're going down these gnarly hills and like the jumps and everything else that's happening is just so much more intense than on a skateboard. Is, it that, is that the reason just people couldn't handle, you know, trying to follow somebody and film them? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think like it's I think in, in at least in Alaska's case, it was a really like like it was almost the skateboarders just snowboarded because winter was so long and there was no really oh, okay. skate parks. So it was kind of like all like my friend um, who I first started filming with, he made like skateboard videos and then he made skateboard slash snowboard videos, like with where they'd be like mixed. And then he okay. made snowboard videos. So it's kind of like in Alaska, it was really um, kind of mixed. Like the two skateboard snowboard community was really like one and the same. Okay. Okay. I know also with skateboarding and I'm, gonna see if it's the same for snowboarding as it's like it's obviously a lifestyle and with the lifestyle comes music as well right i mean like a lot of bands i got into were because of skate videos i liked or at first time i'm here songs like that is was your music like introduction pretty similar to that or like how did you get into music um yeah definitely like because it's so true like the snowboard skateboard movies you watch like they all have like soundtracks with a bunch yeah, of like rad soundtracks yeah, yeah exactly and that's how I, I i literally that's the only music besides like my dad's like records and stuff like and what was on the radio like that was like where i found all like the cool stuff i would listen to like i don't know like the pixies are like mm-hmm. cool rap stuff and yeah it's it's truly everyone's like a every skate video is like a little mixtape too i guess so yeah, it really is. And like was that something you look forward to like when you shot a video part were you able to choose what song you're going to use in the in the part yeah definitely definitely you were like super excited to like try to like find the perfect song for your, your footage and stuff and a lot of yeah. time like the person that was making the video would kind of like find something for you and you'd like and just make sure you liked it but but that was always exciting for sure what what's do you remember what songs that like were your favorite be like oh like it was, i got to choose the song it was so dope Let's see. Well, I think like the one I'm most like that, like probably my most like known video part I ever had was like two like ween, like two ween songs. Like, uh, oh, cool. Like, you know, like the fucked jam. And um, sorry, I don't know if I can cuss on you. You can cuss. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, and uh, hey, they're fancy pants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which like afterwards, everybody called me fancy pants for like 10 years, you know? Oh, because the video part? Yeah, and I was also wearing, like, really fancy, like, kind of striped, like, David Bowie. (laughs) Oh, that's that's rad. I'm sure your snowboarding videos still have to be up online somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, they're up there. They're somewhere, yeah. 
That's awesome. I'm going to look them up after this. I knew I did read that you're a pro snowboarder, but I wanted to focus more on my research in your music department, but I'm curious just because that's so rad that you, you kind of had that like with, with music though. I mean, obviously it sounds like you're, you have to be like fully invested in snowboarding, especially if you're pro and that's kind of what you're doing. So how do you get into music and playing instruments and where does that start? Um, so I guess I started playing the guitar, like on my mom's guitar when I was like 16 or something like that. Like, and I, there was like a guitar class in high school, like that they offered. So I just, that's like what I started doing it. And, but I guess I would just always kind of, cause you know, like, um, there's a lot of downtime too, when you're snowboarding, it's kind of like you snowboard during the day, mostly sometimes at night too, but like a lot of time you're just sitting around in hotel rooms and like wherever you are, Minneapolis or whatever. And just, right, right. So you got tons of time and I, and also you have, um, the whole summer off. So I would just kind of like pretty much from, I got, I started taking it really seriously, like probably more like when I was like 19 or 20, like, and that's when I tried to start writing songs and it took me like so freaking long to get any good at it. Like, I, I mean, it was, I don't know. It's, it was, I guess it was just as hard as trying to become a good snowboarder, like trying to become a songwriter and come up with anything that you're proud of or you like, but sure. I, doing it all this, I was kind of, there was from when I became like a pro snowboarder, I was always playing music at the same time. Okay. Okay. When, how old are you when you became pro at snowboarding? I think I was 19, at least when wow. I first got my first sponsor, like when I first started getting paid, which was like 250 bucks a month or something, but I was like, but yeah. still <laughs> yeah, $250 that you didn't have before. <laughs> that $250 went a long way back then too. <laughs> well like I mean you mentioned like having summers off from snowboarding was it something that the company that you rode for would make you go to the other side of the world to, to snowboard it when it was still considered winter no you, you know I think some people do that more now and stuff but for some reason like I don't know and I don't know why they didn't really want you to do that or whatever i don't know in, in the summer i just it was pretty much like free to i pretty much just skate and and play music all summer for oh, okay work career that's pretty much all i was doing nice nice and you said what 19 you started oh real quick uh, your mom had a guitar that's where you picked up the guitar yeah she obviously plays she she did a little bit i think like back in like you know like the 80s or something or like the 70s or something when she was growing up and in the village <laughs> I think she would play like I don't know what she would do I've never I mean I, I've seen her like play a couple of chords but I she never really was playing when we were when we were kids or anything I just kind of would see pictures of her like in the 70s like like playing guitar like on some fence or something <laughs> but, uh, okay yeah and she grew up in the same town that you were born and raised in yeah she grew up on she has like a really interesting life she like grew up on like a homestead like uh in like you know like rural Alaska, like where I, where I was kind of born in the inner, inner village, like it's called the Nilchik. And like her dad was just like um, a mechanic and they were just kind of, there was like, when, when he first came in, there was like no roads and they just staked it out like old gold miner style. And, oh, you know, wow. So she had all these brothers and then it was like, so yeah, they, they, it's still there. My, my uncles still live on it and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know how big it is, like hundreds of acres of just like this big old homestead. He's got like, crazy. Uncle, got like a dog sled team. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's rad. <laughs> when, well, when did you move to, you're in Quebec now? Yeah, now I'm in Quebec. In, when did in you Mont move there? In Montreal. Uh, yeah, okay. When did you move there? Um, I moved here 
probably like full time, maybe five years ago. And I, I haven't okay. been living in Montreal that whole time. I'm kind of like bouncing around between Quebec City and Montreal and the countryside. But but in Canada for five years? Yeah. Pretty okay. Much. Okay. And uh, when did you, so when did you stop? Are you still snowboarding now or no? Um, no, I don't really go anywhere. I mean, I would if I lived out West, but out East, it's like, I mean, no offense to the East Coast snowboarders, but it's just hard. It's just brutal out here. It's like icy and cold and no mountains. So, okay, okay. Yeah. When did you decide to give up snowboarding to pursue? I mean, was it like you stopped snowboarding and then you're like, okay, like what's the timeline wise with stopping to snowboard, stop snowboarding, moving to Canada, and then kind of going on this music journey? Yeah, I think, it, let's see. It's like, I pretty much stopped snowboarding maybe like six years ago or something like that. And I was kind of just like pretty, uh, I was just like definitely confused for a while and like unemployed. I, I, I guess I pretty much like, I think the snowboard industry wasn't doing too good. I like kind of lost my sponsors and, and I was also definitely getting like a little bit more interested in music that I wasn't snowboarding to at that point because I think I've been like pretty much, let's see. I mean, I would be, I've been taking songwriting seriously for like a good, like 10 years by the time I stopped snowboarding, but, okay. um, but, and then, and I was getting increasingly more in like probably obsessed with songwriting compared to snowboarding, but yeah. So I pretty much, but there was, so I, I think I stopped snowboarding maybe like six years ago. And then there was just probably a good, like four years of like, kind of semi unemployment where I was just broke and like right. my girlfriend was, or my wife was supporting me and like just trying to learn how to write songs before I it took me like a long time before I, I only really, I think the first album we released it two years ago. So. Okay. Lot, yeah. A lot of, a lot of time to putting on, we were working on that first record. It sounds like. Yeah. It was like a transitional period for me where I didn't really know what I was. I mean, I was just working really hard and hoping I could make something with the band happen, but Okay. It was weird. And yeah. I mean, to, to lose, not lose snowboarding, but to kind of stop it, that must've been kind of an identity crisis for you. For sure. It was weird. It was like, I was so used to traveling around with all my buddies and snowboarding and stuff and having at least a little bit of money. I never made a lot of money, but I went to having like no money. So, right. But it was, it was, but it was, you know, it was, it was like, it was, it was kind of like romantic in a way to be like do, trying to do something else. I don't know. And, but mm -hmm. it was also, it was, it was transitional period. That was pretty like weird. And I was in like, I was expatriate too. I just, I pretty much moved to Quebec because like the music scene was good, but also because like, it was so cheap. Like the apartments were so, so cheap. So it was just most, a lot of my decisions have just been based on like what I could afford. In the last Monetary reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's pretty much what I've been doing out here is just scraping by trying to write songs. But. Wow. Well, so you didn't, when did you start releasing songs? Two years ago, I just released, um, like, yeah, that was like the first thing I ever released. Really. Oh, really? Was that, was that first record? Yeah, that first record. That was the first thing that was like, I mean, I might have released a couple of things on Bandcamp before, like, but that was pretty much the only thing I ever released. Okay. So you were already living in Canada at this point when you started releasing songs? Yeah, I'd only already been living there for like maybe, um, let's see, it's two years ago. So three years or something like that. Okay. So you stopped snowboarding when you were still in Alaska and then you moved to Canada? 
pretty much, I think I was still like kind of a professional snowboarder for maybe like, I was kind of like in between Alaska for a while, like in between Alaska and Quebec as it would, that's my wife's name. She would come up and like stay with me in Alaska and then we'd kind of half and half. And I was, and when you're snowboarding, you're just always on the road. So mm-hmm. you're always traveling. And like, I mean, same with the musician, right? I mean, that's probably the the next, you know, thing is just traveling as a musician instead of a snowboarder. But um, having that first record out, like, tell me about putting that out and kind of, you know, you have this new identity and what does that look like once you got the record out? Um, yeah, like, well, pretty much we just finished that record. Like I recorded it, like I wanted to. I, it, t- it was a hard recording process. Like I tried to record it myself a couple of times and I was terrible at re- recording. So it always sounded terrible. And then like my friend came up and tried to record at a house and he like set up this like whole like analog tape studio in the basement. It was like, and it was like total shining situation with like just like eight feet of snow outside. And we had like these like 400 pound like tape machines and like, and it was like, and that time didn't really work out great either. And then finally I went to just like a real studio, like a real studio, which was like in Quebec city that mm-hmm. guy Alex has, it's called the magnetophone. And, and then I finally recorded it there and I was like, I was satisfied with it. And we just put it on the internet. We didn't really have any plans or anything. We just hoped that it would kind of like attract some attention. I don't know, somehow. And, um, but it went pretty good. It was like, Quebec is such a cool place for like up and coming bands. There's like, so like, like the underground scene is so like alive out here. Kind of like, there's so many people that are interested in like independent music, I guess. And Mm -hmm. so it pretty much just put it out. And then all of a sudden we started getting invited to play shows and, and, and it kept going and kept going and yeah, but it was weird. It was like all of a sudden, it was like a new identity too, for sure. Like to, to not be a snowboarder anymore and to be a musician. And I was definitely mm-hmm. like with you, like a little bit of an identity crisis too. For sure. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And so cut off from all my friends and family too, which was weird. Cause I was just felt like, you know, I'm just living, all my friends pretty much live on the West coast. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I have a couple friends at East, but so it was weird too. It was like just total like isolation and living and you know obviously in Quebec everybody speaks French and stuff so I had to speak French all the time and oh do you did you know French prior to moving there no no well I kind of started learning it like maybe when I met my wife like around like so she I've been learning it for a while maybe I've probably been kind of speaking French for like five years before I moved out there but still was pretty bad at it still I'm bad at it but you can get by if need be yeah yeah, okay. I can get by. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So you put that record out. Were you able to play? You said you got some shows around the area. And then um, what was kind of the next step? Did you just start writing what's this next record that came is coming out? Yeah, pretty much. Just like, uh, well, you know, like released it January 2020. So as soon as we released it to like COVID hit. And- oh, the first record was in January 2020. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay. So it's- how did that how did that work? well so it was just pretty much like we still somehow managed to squeak in a couple shows here and there but it was definitely like at a certain point obviously everything just like locked down and and that was the point where I just kind of hunkered down and and made and wrote the second record um and that's pretty much how I got that second record done and uh like the first record um like this there's this our manager he's our manager now but his name's uh Gabo Coinlo and he was working for like a big like bookie or not a booking agency a 
uh, I can't remember what that's called, a concert promotion agency mm-hmm. in Montreal. And and he had a radio show and he was always playing us on the radio and stuff. And and when we finished the second record, we recorded it at the same place and and we sent it, we sent him to him. And uh, he sent it around for us to some labels and and then Secret City liked it and and they gave us a record deal. That was pretty cool. And yeah, what was that like? It was crazy. It was because, you know, first one it was like people liked it. Like we get really good responses, but like they like we definitely like were by, by no means like thinking like we were going to be like, I don't know. We didn't really imagine like we'd have a lot of success or anything. Not that we have a lot of success, but it, it was yeah, cool but to get on a, a label. I mean, that's huge. It, yeah, that was great. I mean, that's definitely the best thing that's happened to us so far. And they're such a great label. They're like, I don't know, super cool and. Yeah, it's fun being on there. I like it so much better than not being on there. That's for sure. <laughs> amazing. That is amazing. And uh, so what was it like? Okay, you put the record out, COVID hits. And then how does that affect this next album? Was it just you had a lot more time to work on it? or My lifestyle was like, like seriously exactly the same like before COVID and after. Because oh, okay. like I, I, but, but I, did, I don't know why. Like the first record took me forever, even though I was doing the same exact things. Like I pretty much was just like obsessively sitting in my room and writing songs for like ever. And, and it took me a long time to write that first record. It was really slow. But then the second record, I wrote it in like six or seven months. And I don't know why it was so quick, but it de- I definitely, maybe there was even less distractions than usual, I suppose. Like obviously like everyone that went through all the lockdowns, like there was just nothing to do. It was like, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I, I just pretty much was, I, I, we're also living in a cabin, like out in the woods at that point. So like it's pretty much just like a solid block of isolation and like hanging out and writing songs for mm-hmm. a year straight. So. Wow. Okay. And the record's called, uh, the, the first single you put out is Tarantula. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The first single. Yep. That's it. Tell me about that song. Um, so that's song. It, it's like a, you know, usually like I, I need, I usually like my songs have a lot of words. But that mm-hmm. one, I think it has like 14 words in it or something. So I don't know. I was like pretty stoked at it because I don't know. I wanted to try to see if I could like, I don't know, make a song that didn't have to use so many words to get my point across. And But it, I guess it's about like, like having negative, like thought, like kind of like uninvited negative thoughts kind of edit your, edit your brain. Like, I think it's pretty much like cabin the cabin fever was, was mm-hmm, sure. and you just start like you, when you got too much time to think it's just and you don't have any friends it's like not, not really super good so so you just uh yeah so it's pretty much just like a little fable about a tarantula whispering and whispering bad thoughts in your ear you know? yeah and the, the well the record's called dungeon master and the uh, the photo or the album cover is that the cabin you're staying in um no so that um so the, on the album cover, album cover is my little brother, like wearing the cape uh, and, yeah, and the hat. Yeah, <laughs> that's my little, my little brother from, uh, oh, sorry. Um, um, yeah, and that photo is old. That's like 10 years old. And that's actually from my childhood home in Alaska. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. that's, my wife took that photo. My, my, he's always dressing up in outfits and stuff. Like he's always, <laughs> and so... I don't know. We so, have tons of photos of him in co- different costumes and he was like in a Pope phase at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering. And then, okay. So that's actually a photo of your brother. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. And uh, well, the record's 
coming out it's uh when it comes out really like april right i believe yeah red okay i think so the end of april yeah yeah april and with would you have any plans for like touring on the album or are you kind of trying to wait and see what the future holds with all the wildness of this world (laughs) um well we're actually we're leaving on tour in like a week or a little over a week uh to go we're gonna like because uh, we're going to South by Southwest. Oh, uh, yeah, I did read that. That's exciting. I know. It's so exciting. I'm really happy about that. Um, so, yeah, we're going on this little tour before we get down there, though. It's going to be like New York, Pittsburgh, Ohio, Kentucky. And, yeah, and then to South by Southwest. Okay. What was the new? What was it like getting that call saying you're going to be at South by Southwest? That must have been a big deal. Uh, we were so happy. It's crazy. I mean, it's been, I don't know. It's been so crazy. I never. I never really, like... I don't know. Never really like that. Just get on that label. It's changed everything. Cause they like actually do the stuff that you should do to like promote your music, I guess. So yeah, they yeah, help you. Opportunities. <laughs> yeah. That's but cool. It was crazy. I was so happy. It's like all, the whole thing's so exciting. You know, that's really, really exciting. Um, I love they describe the record as the cutest, heaviest, strangest rock and roll record you'll ever hear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell like, well, Give me a little synopsis of the record because it's coming out yeah, in a couple months here. Yeah. Um, well, I do think we try to be like really cute and heavy at the same time. That's, okay. that's really like our, and, and just by that, I mean, just kind of like, just kind of like, I guess, um, I, I guess there's like a certain like zone that, that art I like is usually in and it's usually got a little bit of humor and it's got a little bit of, darkness to it i guess mm-hmm. and it's like when i think when it has those two things it like becomes infinitely more interesting to me because it's you don't quite know how to feel you know it's like mm-hmm. is it funny or is it like demented and like dark because <laughs> if it's one or the other i don't i just think it's too i don't know unidimensional or something for me but like when it's both you're kind of like it can be overwhelming like create it can create like complex emotions i think and so I don't know. I think that's where the cute heavy thing comes from. And I think that we try to stay in that zone a lot and it's, um, but it's really like, uh, I don't know. It's like a really like pretty manic album. I don't know why it's so it turned out like, I really always just tried to write like really catchy pop tunes. And I'm always like, yeah, like I'm going to write something really catchy. Like people are going to, I'm always trying to write some sort of like hit thing. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm really always trying to write something good, but it turned this one was it's pretty unhinged and like manic, I think, compared to even the first one, which is pretty unhinged and manic. Too. <laughs> sure. So. Well, that's amazing. I can't wait to hear uh, the record. Obviously, I like Tarantula. I think that's a rad song. Oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. And c- congratulations on the South by Southwest. It's massive. Oh, and, thank you. And I appreciate doing this, Gus. This has been awesome. Oh, this has been so great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. One more quick question. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Um, well, I would say for me personally, uh, it took me a long, long time to realize that I think limitations are good. Like, um, for example, I think I was trying to mess around with like, um, like multi-tracking and making songs in all different ways with tons of different instruments and everything. And as soon as I, um, I told myself, I think I was watching like a Neil Young 
like show and I just saw him play like old man or something and I was like man all he did was like sit there with an acoustic guitar and write that thing in a room and it's so great and I told myself I'm just gonna try to start doing that and that's as soon as as soon as I started doing that things started working out a lot better for me and I, I felt a lot more focused and so I think like set some limitations when you when you go to go to work on writing songs and I think it all it will help.